They're often referred to as majestic, massive, and even magnificent. Peaks have always piqued our interest since inception. Who doesn't want a breathtaking bird's eye view of the earth from above? But make no mistake, these majestic massifs are where many have met their maker. Climb on! We'll take a peek at some of the most popular peaks as we demystify mountains on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 amigos. Welcome one, welcome all. It's time for another exciting edition of FYI. And today we're doing something that is near and dear to my heart, the mountains. Now, first, let's start with the pronunciation, mountains. Now, that's the a la americana pronunciation. You know, in the, in the United States, we say mountains, fountains, Certain. We have that glottal stop. But you can also say mountain, fountain, certain. Practice, but don't say mountain. You don't know how many times I've heard mountain. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that, and that's an expression we use to say we've heard something a million and one times. And mountains are very special to me because I grew up in the mountains. I come from the mountains. Dare I say, I'm a mountain man. All right, well, let's take a look at our intro, which is always chock full of great adjectives and verbs and all kinds of cool words I think you need to know. I started off by saying they're often referred to as majestic. I think that's an easy one to figure out. You say majestuoso, we say majestic, massive, and even magnificent. Peaks have always piqued our interest. Now, did you see what I did there? I'm already playing with words. Peaks, los picos, have always piqued our interest. And to pique somebody's interest is obviously to make them interested. And it's interesting because it's spelled exactly like the soccer player, pique. But we pronounce it just like peak, like a mountain peak. Also, we use the word summit for the top of the mountain. And that's even a verb. If you didn't know that, that means you haven't listened to our episode on Mount Everest, where we talked about that summit. And we're going to talk about all things mountain today. So I don't know if you got that pun, but if you did, give yourself a pat on the back. Peaks have always piqued our interest since inception. Who doesn't want a breathtaking? And the best way to describe this is when you see a certain view and this happens. It takes your breath away. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. It's breathtaking. And then I said a bird's eye view, which I know we've looked at on this podcast before. A bird's eye view is a view from above. And just be careful. Make sure you pronounce the word earth 
correctly. I've heard a lot of people say, earth, it's earth. Then I said, but make no mistake, no te equivoques, make no mistake, these majestic massifs, and a massif is a French word, but that's another word we use when we talk about mountains. I said, these majestic massifs are where many have met their maker. And if you listen to our episode on death, it came out pretty recently. That's one of the ways I told you that we can say to die, to meet your maker. It's poetic. And then I said, climb on. And I looked it up. This is a way people say, sigue escalando, climb on. I just want to make sure you guys don't say climb. So let's review those. Climb is the verb, and climber, see, no B. I know it's in there, but we don't pronounce it. Climb on, climbers, and then you heard an ice pick. I put in the sound effect of an ice pick, and then I played with words again. Yet another pun. I said, we'll take a peek, echar un vistazo, at some of the most popular peaks as we demystify mountains. And to take a peak is P-E-E-K. And peak, mountain peak, is P-E-A-K. But they're homophones. Now, if you are a patron, you'll know that because you can follow along with our vocabulary sheets and worksheets, which are designed to test your English and make sure you remember as much as possible. Now, I don't expect you to remember every single vocabulary word. There are tons of them. I think in some episodes, we've had over 500 expressions and words. But the idea isn't to memorize them. It's to expose yourself to them, to get used to them, to familiarize yourself with them. And this is a great visual tool. Now, if you want to get those PDFs that you can get every week, along with a bonus episode, you can join us over on Patreon.com. It's Patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. We have an amazing community over there. I am so proud of each and every one of my students. And you're thinking, but Alberto, how do you know their progress? How can you be proud of your students? Well, remember, you can get an extra episode. You can get PDFs. But if you're in my interstellar level, then you have a private class with me every month as well as weekly review classes. And if you want weekly review classes, you can check out our super duper students. And speaking of, let's send them a shout out right now. A shout out to all my patrons, especially my super duper students, Javier, Paco, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Carmen, Lina, Isa, Paco, and Edgar. Thank you so much to all of you, and keep up the great work. If you guys want to find out how you can get involved and be a part of this awesome community, this curious community, all you have to do is go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and find out more. And there are two comments that I hear all the time. 
A, oh my God, Alberto, I feel like I'm getting such a deal. Vaya chollo. And number two, and I think the most important comment is, oh my God, I'm really making progress. This is really a fun, effective way to learn English. So if you want to find out how all my students are kicking butt, petándolo, go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. All right, mountaineers, when did mountaineering become a sport? Well, in the mid-19th century, when people wanted to get away from the city life, remember, putting it all into a timeline, industrialization was going on, so it was a very industrial world. Factory life, you know, it wasn't as bright as it is today. So people felt a need to get out, and not just get out and get away, but also to explore. And I think reaching a mountain peak, no matter how tall it may be, is even a symbolic thing. I mean, how many times have you gone on a little hill, una colina, and you stood on top of it and you said, king of the mountain or king of the hill? I mean, there's even a cartoon that's called king of the hill, and it's an idiomatic expression. So we have this almost innate need to discover mountains and to summit them or to reach the peak. And before that, there were people who were doing this, mountaineers, I guess, but there were more in the name of science, scientific exploration, you know, finding out more about those habitats and the wildlife. But this is where people started to do it for fun, as a hobby. And again, that was the mid-19th century. But as with everything, it had its ups and downs. It fell into disfavor for a brief period. I think you know the word brief. Quick, brief, breve in Spanish. And this was in 1865 when four climbers died. They were ascending or climbing the Matterhorn. And what happened was the whole world was watching. It made international news and they said, wait a second. This is all fun and games, but if four people die, this is foolish and immoral and obviously dangerous. And we're going to talk about that dark side. You know, as we said before, people meet their makers on mountains. Because if I have to bet man versus nature, I know where I'm placing my money. But I think everybody knows now climbing is bigger than ever. And there are so many different types of climbing as well. You've got hardcore climbing with ropes, and you've got somebody with a belay, and we're going to look at all this vocabulary. But if you're a patron, you can just take a look at the PDF, and I have the word in Spanish. And we're just talking about climbing, but that's just one of the many, many activities that you can do on a mountain. Obviously, you can ski, snowboard, hike, right? Remember, we, we looked at hiking. To take a hike means vete a tomar viento. So somebody can be telling you, date un paseo, or vete a tomar viento. Take a hike. This is where tone is so important. And even in the winter months where climbing can be really difficult, even treacherous, treacherous is another way of saying dangerous, you have indoor rock gyms, which are more popular than ever. I remember taking a class when I was in college. Remember, college is how we say university. And it was at a rock gym. It was climbing and rappelling. And to rappel is to go down with a rope. So you climb 
and you repel. I think the word is the same in Spanish, rapel or rapel. I'm not sure where the accent goes. And then I said the word belay before, which is freno o cabilla, which these are really important because they could save your life. So it was really interesting because you don't just learn about climbing. You learn about the harness and all the safety. You know, there are a lot of different things that have to be done, a lot of checks as with anything. Because sure, if you fall at a rock gym, well, maybe there's a mat on the floor. But if you fall, you know, off a peak, it doesn't matter, as I said, how tall it may be. If you fall off the wrong cliff... The word cliff is acantilado. You could meet your maker or who knows, break some bones. Either way, it's not a positive outcome. So I think that's another reason that climbing was able to bounce back because we started adding all these different safety features because it's all fun and games until people start dying. Nobody wants death. I mean, I think the idea is to come as close as possible to death without actually touching death. To have, as they call, a near-death experience. And that, I guess, gets your adrenaline pumping really hard. But mountains are more popular than ever, whether you're just there to do some sport or just take in a beautiful view. Mountains are lovely places. Even a resort in a mountain, it just has a special atmosphere that you won't find at a beach or in a city. So... I guess we should ask the question, what is a mountain? Well, what if I were to tell you that there is no universally accepted definition of a mountain? Yeah, I'm dead serious. It depends on where you live. But let me tell you what I found. It's a landform that rises prominently above its surroundings. Its surroundings, sus alrededores. Generally exhibiting steep Slopes, and those are some good words to know. Steep, I think in Spanish is inclinado. It's the opposite of flat. And the word slope, any skiers or snowboarders might recognize that one, is la cuesta, la bajada. So it's a steep slope, a relatively confined summit area. And as we said before, the summit is the top. And considerable local relief. Mountains generally are understood to be larger than hills. Okay, that's pretty good. That's a geographical definition. But my question is, where is the limit? Like, you know, uh, how tall do you have to be to be a mountain? Well, typically 300 meters. Again, this is disputed. That's right. In the United Kingdom and the Republic of Ireland, a mountain is usually defined as any summit that is at least... 610 meters high. So there's a lot of leeway there. Mucho margen. 300 meters versus 610 meters? That's a wide range. There is one thing that everybody will agree on, geologists included. Mountains are formed through tectonic forces, erosion or volcanoes, which act over the course of of tens of millions of years. So think about that. Every time you look at a mountain, it has been in the making, in the works, for tens of millions of years. And once a mountain stops growing, usually they are slowly leveled. This is because of weathering. So they get weathered down, se desgastan. There are landslides, natural disasters, and even erosion that's caused by rivers and glaciers. One thing we all know about mountains 
mountains is the higher you go, the colder it gets. And those colder climates, and listen to the pronunciation, no climate, climates. These colder climates strongly affect the ecosystems. So you can find in a very short period many different ecosystems because of the drastic temperature changes. And as we know, the higher you get, the less hospitable it becomes. The terrain is treacherous. The climate gets more harsh or extreme. And that's why when you look at places like Everest, the real people, the only people who are really, really ready to climb that mountain are the Sherpas, the local people, because they're used to it. And if you haven't heard our episode on Mount Everest, you are missing out. It's a wonderful episode. That mountain could tell a million stories if it could talk. As you all know, Mount Everest is in the Himalayas. Its summit is 8,850 meters above sea level. However, it doesn't take the title of the highest mountain in our solar system. That is Olympus Mons, which is on the planet Mars. And are you ready for this? It's a whopping 21,171 meters. That's almost three times the size of Mount Everest. So just imagine how big Mars must be. Let's take a look at some of the most famous mountain ranges. And a range is like a, I think you would say cordillera, a collection of mountains, a range. And there are a wide range of mountain ranges. <laughs> okay, bad joke. I've decided to highlight some of the largest ones, some of the longest ones. So for the height, you can say tall or high, but if we're talking about how far it extends, then we would say for the length, how long they are. So now we're talking about length. The Andes. Now you say Andes, we say Andes, like my friend Andy Vaughn. The Andes stretch 7,000 kilometers. As you know, they are located in South America. Next up, we've got the Rockies, and the Rockies are in the United States. Those stretch 4,830 kilometers. Next up, we have the Great Dividing Range. Now, this one I wasn't familiar with. This one stretches 3,500 kilometers, and it's located in Australia. You've got the Ural Mountains, which are located in Eurasia. Then you've got the Atlas Mountains, which I'm sure many Spanish people know about those because they aren't too far away. The length of the Atlas Mountains is 2,500 kilometers long. As we know, they stretch across northwestern Africa, spanning the country of Morocco. Then you've got ones that are near and dear to my heart, the Appalachian Mountains. The Appalachian Mountains stretch 2,414 kilometers. And these mountains are the mountains I grew up in. These are the lakes I would swim in as a child. These are the trails I would take. But I'm not alone because the Appalachian Mountains stretch so far across the United States they are located on the East Coast, and they stretch from Canada all the way down to Georgia. So I'm not the only one. So many people from so many states grew up in those mountains. They go through New York, 
New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts. It's amazing. And every part of it is unique. And when I go visit my dad, you'll see there are always hikers because people spend their summers hiking the Appalachian Mountains. And then, of course, the Himalayas. And notice, the Himalayas aren't as long as the Andes. The Andes stretch 7,000 kilometers. The Himalayas, 2,400 kilometers. But that's nothing to shake a stick at because 30 of the world's highest mountains are in the Himalayas. All the mountains known as the 8,000ers, the ones that are over 8,000 meters tall. According to the International Mountaineering and Climbing Federation, 8,000ers are the 14 mountains on this earth that are more than 8,000 meters in height. They are all located in the Himalayan and Karakoram mountain ranges in Asia, and all of their summits are in the death zone. And in the bonus part, we're going to find out what happens to the human body once you reach the death zone. So obviously, Everest is on that list. Now, this is interesting. Everest, as we said before, is almost 9,000 meters above sea level, but it's growing 4 millimeters a year. Then you've got K2, and K2 is 8,611 meters. It's on the Pakistan-China border, and if you did the math, it's a little bit shorter than Mount Everest, but it is considered the planet's toughest and most dangerous mountain to climb. It has earned the nickname Savage Mountain, Montaña Salvaje. And unlike Mount Everest, you can't walk to the top. All sides of the K2 are extremely steep, so you have to climb it. And obviously there are frequent rock falls and avalanches, so it's a lot more dangerous to climb than Mount Everest. Then you've got Annapurna, which is also a force to be reckoned with, una bestia de la naturaleza, which is 8,091 meters. It is the 10th highest mountain in the world and one of the most dangerous as well. But it was the first 8,000er to be climbed. The easiest, and I'm going to say this in air quotes, in parentheses, Cho Oyu, which is technically the easiest of the 8,000ers. Again, easier if you're an experienced climber, not for you and me. Don't get any crazy ideas in your head. And then we've got one that is just a mystery in and of itself. The Gangkar Puensum. This is the highest mountain in Bhutan, and it is the highest unclimbed, you heard right, Que nadie lo ha escalado, the highest unclimbed mountain in the world. It reaches an elevation of 7,570 meters. And its name means White Peak of the Three Spiritual Brothers. It lies on the border of Bhutan and Tibet. And why is it the highest unclimbed mountain? Is it really that difficult? Well, no, it's because of government regulations. In 1994, climbing of mountains in Bhutan, higher than 6,000 meters, has been prohibited out of respect for local spiritual beliefs. And in the year 2000, 
Mountaineering was forbidden completely, so I guess that makes it even more attractive. And I think that's what our love of mountains comes from. Conquering mountains, conquering hills, getting some kind of viewpoint, and also a reward. Because think about it, you gotta work to get up there. But once you're up there and you're looking at that beautiful, breathtaking view, you realize it was worth it. We've got to wrap up the first part, but I hope you'll join us in the bonus part. Remember, for just three euros a month, you can get the worksheets and the bonus episode. And you'll help me. Remember, this is a self-produced podcast. I make it out of love. And, well, if I get to make a little extra money to invest in hosting and equipment, well, it really helps. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you for being amazing students and for all your constant support. We'll end the first part with an idiomatic expression. Faith can move mountains. I sure hope you'll join us in the bonus episode of today's F.Y.I.D.